This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, August 10th. I'm Matt Hoish. And I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, a monkeypox primer. Telluride Regional Medical Center names new CEO. Butch Cassidy steals the spotlight in the Invincible 3. And a mountain weather forecast. Grace Franklin doesn't think people in the region should be worried about monkeypox. Rather, she says, they should be aware. I don't think that it's a tremendous raise the alarm, the sky is falling kind of a concern, but it is something where we need to have open conversations about this, open conversations about risk reduction, and then make sure people know where they can get resources and that um, public health can help them navigate that. Franklin is the public health director for San Miguel County. Monkeypox, she notes, isn't a new virus. We've known about it for decades. It had mainly been in Congo and Nigeria, but over the last few months, she says, it's begun spreading through new social networks. So it's now spreading outside of those um, traditional um, countries that we've seen it spread, and then also spreading among sexual networks, um, which hasn't been a commonplace thing. Um, Monkeypox is typically fever, headache, and then a rash that usually shows up like um, kind of like a blister or a pimple where it's a a pustule lesion. And it can be really misdiagnosed for different STIs or be very subtle rash. And so it's harder just to um, realize that it might be something more severe. Last month, the World Health Organization declared the monkeypox outbreak a global health emergency. Earlier this month, the White House also labeled the spread of the virus a public health emergency. The disease, Franklin says, is horrific and very painful, though death from monkeypox, she notes, is rare. About 99% of people recover from what we've seen on the international scale. The biggest concerns are those that are immunocompromised, pregnant breastfeeding, or young children. They tend to have worse outcomes. Colorado, she explains, has been following national trends and seen exponential growth of the virus in the last few weeks. Locally, there have been no new monkeypox cases since two non-residents tested positive last month. But, Franklin adds, it's still early on. The key piece is really not saying it's not going to happen, but to be prepared to have the understanding about what to look for and then um, how to get testing and treatment. Unlike COVID-19, the virus doesn't spread through the air. Instead, Franklin explains, transmission is mainly through skin-to-skin contact, as well as shared objects, like towels or bedsheets, that haven't been washed. So far, the biggest group that's been affected, she says, has been men who have sex with men and their social and sexual networks. The highest risk individuals at this time are people who are either having sex with multiple partners, um, having anonymous sex, or are going to large events with less clothing. So raves, dance clubs, things like that, that are really crowded, and it's harder to maintain that social distancing. When it comes to preventative measures, Franklin says the precautions are pretty simple. It's having conversations with your partner or partners, really having that conversation of who else um, are in your, um, what's your sexual activity like? How are you feeling um, healthy and safe? If you do have um, different bubbles, really just kind of having those um, awkward but really important conversations. A challenging piece, Franklin notes, is it can take up to three weeks for someone to develop symptoms and become infectious. One symptom to look for, Franklin says, 
is rashes. Typically, groin, body, face um, is where we're seeing it spread the most. And it could look like an allergic reaction rash, right? It's a very subtle or it could look like a, a pimple. So if you see anything that's different and um, you've um, had sex with different partners or you've gone um, to congregate or shared housing or different things like that in the last two weeks, we recommend going to the medical center. Um, TMC does test for monkeypox. And so that's a great resource. And then public health, we can connect you to other resources and regionally. Treatments, Franklin explains, are limited, but resources are available. And anyone who is a close contact to someone who tests positive can receive a monkeypox vaccine to reduce the likelihood of getting sick. Still, Stigma, Franklin says, will probably be the number one way the virus continues to spread. Both from having positive um, sexual conversations, right, and um, positive sex talk, and then also destigmatizing um, uh, the queer community and men who have sex with men. Just because this is that social network where we're seeing the biggest spread, the virus doesn't care what your gender orientation, sex, or um, anything really is. From a public health standpoint, Franklin explains we're on the cusp of either containing monkeypox or seeing it become a more prevalent disease around the world. The Telluride Regional Medical Center has a new CEO. This week, the Med Center announced Chris Darnell will be stepping into the position, taking over from current interim CEO Bev Schulman. Darnell will start his new role at the end of September. According to MedCenter officials, Darnell holds a bachelor's degree in economics, a master's in health sciences, and a doctorate in health administration. He has worked at Medical University of South Carolina, Bozeman Health in Montana. Recently, he worked as vice president of operations at Livingston Healthcare, which the MedCenter notes has recently been recognized as a top 20 critical access hospital. A major project for the MedCenter and Darnell as he steps into the role of CEO will be planning and building a new medical center in Lawson. The new med center is planned to serve as a critical access hospital. Development company Genesee Partners is donating land to the med center as part of a larger planned use development at Society Turn. That's about two and a half acres of land that would be for our future uh, hospital site. Um, Genesee is entering into three of a five-step process uh, for the PUD entitlements. They've communicated that those should be submitted, that that fate, next step for the uh, to the planning commission should occur shortly, but I don't have a timeline for that. Um, and rest assured, they are uh, tired of me asking when that's going to occur. That's Chris Chafin, a member of the hospital district board, presenting at an intergovernmental meeting earlier this week. According to Kay Simonson, planning director for San Miguel County, Genesee will likely be submitting their preliminary PUD application later this year, with hearings on the matter at the beginning of 2023. During the meeting, Chafin also highlighted the Med Center's recent expansion with a primary care clinic at the base of Chair 7. It serves as a light band-aid to our space constraints uh, at the Med Center and uh, certainly isn't a permanent solution, but um, has, been a, has been a great uh, step for the, for the staff. Mountain Village Town Council member Dan Caton notes the Chair 7 space speaks to the importance of the Society Turn Med Center. It makes it even clearer that we need that new medical facility and we need to get going on it now uh, because space has run out clearly at the uh, 
at our main facility. At the same time, the Telluride Hospital District is looking for a new member for its board of directors. The board will appoint the member to serve until the next regular election in May 2023. Applicants for the position must be a registered voter in Colorado and the owner or spouse of owner of a property in the hospital district. Applications for the position are open through 4 p.m. on August 31st. The new board member will begin their role on September 23rd. Sean Mahoney, a musical maker and playwright, had just moved to Telluride when he was walking down Main Street and saw a plaque. That says uh, the bank was robbed here by Butch Cassidy. I thought, oh, I never knew that. It's a cool fact. A Wikipedia wormhole and many hours of writing later, The Invincible Three was born. A new musical focusing on Butch Cassidy and his initial bank robbery in Telluride in 1889. This story and what I'm focusing on Invincible Three is the story of Tom McCarty, Matt Warner, and Roy Parker, who were all guys from the western area here who decided to rob the First National Bank in Telluride on June 24th, 1889. So they planned the robbery really well. They scoped out the area. They knew exactly what they were waiting for to come down from the payrolls and the mines. It was Butch Cassidy's first bank robbery to become the legend that he was and, you know, sort of being known for, not to say nonviolent, I don't want to make him sound like Gandhi, but that he never shot anyone and the you know and they mostly robbed from sort of these big corporations so the story is really their journey from becoming guys who were just sort of um telluride bros into bank robbers and what were the societal and um personal reasons for them to make the choice to rob a bank the invincible three will have its first performance before a proper audience this weekend in the silver bell mine outside of ofer what we've pulled together is a concert version of the musical so basically it's just the songs and narration to connect the uh different snippets of music. We cut all the dialogue in this just to showcase the music and to give everyone a sense of what it sounds like and what it feels like. So there'll be some costumes and um, some sets, but really it's the backdrop of the Silver Bell Mine and Overloop that we're kind of using as the set for this. When it comes to that sound, Mahoney says it's a mix of many genres, with influence coming from country rock and 1980s hip-hop. There's a lot of rhyming and there's a lot of um, fat, stuff that goes by kind of fast because of that. And then there's also places where we slow down and it's more of a, uh, it's a Kodo sound, really, I should say. It's very mm-hmm. bluegrassy and country and there's a lot of harmonies. And then at other times we kind of go to this um, like funk world and an Ocean's Eleven feel once the sort of robbery starts to get going, that sort of driving um, beat. So it's been really fun as a writer. And that's one of the reasons I got into musicals is you can have any kind of style in a show. And this just felt like a show. I said, oh, this will be like, you know, Kodo on a Friday night. The show features Walking in Wildflower Time, a song between Leroy Parker, who later became Butch Cassidy, played by Zach Kanner, and the show's love interest, Imogene, played by Megan Knowles. A hundred miles up And a hundred miles to go I'm hiking on the line of hail and snow Flowers all around I think he thinks he can keep up with me Little does he know We're about to hit the screen I 
wanted a song in the show that had them doing something that was um, un. Uh, it wasn't romantic, if I should say. It was something that was like just going on a hike is a platonic way around here, I suppose, to get to know anybody. So I wanted a hiking song in the show. And I also wanted something that was a little different rhythmically than the sort of hip hop 4 4 beat, so to have sense a little more open for the show. But um, yeah, it's just a certain sound that I, I really have enjoyed, and it's a song that's been in the show from day one. In wildflower time. Mahoney says it's an honor to make a show that is by and for the community. It's history on wheels. I mean, it's just a lot of fun and it's freewheeling with it, but it's still pretty reverent to the facts. And um, it's something that I've really enjoyed making. But I'm hoping that this concert version that we're doing gives people a really great taste of what it can be as a full production. And I always say I'd like to have a 40-piece orchestra and a 50-person cast. And, you know, the idea of it is that it's something we could build here through and with the community. Just the fact that so few of us are from here and the idea that we make this family and this life at this altitude, that to me is the heart of the show and why I think it resonates. In this epic Invincible 3 will run Friday, August 12th through Sunday, August 14th at the Silver Bell Mine. Free shuttles will run from the Village Market in Mountain Village to the mine. Tickets are available at ajaxtheatricals.com. Up here where we're walking, up here where we're walking, up here where we're walking. One, two, one, two, three, four. The Telluride Jazz Festival is back this weekend. In addition to the ticketed festival running in Telluride Town Park, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, there will be several free events open to the public throughout town. Thursday, catch Jazz on Main with live performances at several venues from 4 to 6 p.m., the McCarthy Trio will be at Elenoff Gallery, Crescent Quartet at Phoenix Bean, Random Abstract at Floridora, the Telluride Student All-Stars Jazz Ensemble at The Buck, and Hooligans Brass Band on the La Cocina Patio. Friday through Sunday, several groups will perform at the Society Stage in Elks Park from late morning into the afternoon. Saturday and Sunday, the Telluride Transfer Warehouse will host the Morning Jam from 9 to 10 a.m., where any and all musicians are encouraged to join for an improvisational performance. And finally, Sunday, catch the New Orleans Second Line Parade starting in Elks Park at noon and gallivanting down Main Street. And for anyone who can't make it to Town Park, KOTO will be broadcasting the second half of every day of the festival online and over the airwaves. More information on the 45th Annual Telluride Jazz Festival is available at telluridejazz.org.
As Kermit the Frog once said, it's not easy being green. But EcoAction Partners is looking to make going green a little easier for businesses with the Green Business Roundtable event. EcoAction is encouraging businesses to come together to share information on how they're being environmentally conscious with an opportunity to share experiences, gather resources, and learn more about EcoAction's Green Business Program. The Roundtable event will take place in Telluride at the Wilkinson Public Library on Tuesday, August 16th at noon and in Ridgeway at Hartwell Park on Wednesday, August 17th at 8.30 a.m. Yes, we vote to express our views and defend our democracy, but another incentive, just a little bit, is the I Voted sticker. Now, Colorado high schoolers have the chance to redesign a digital version of this ubiquitous declaration of devotion to democracy. The Secretary of State's office is running a statewide competition open to anyone ages 13 to 18 and enrolled in a Colorado high school or Colorado homeschool program. The winning design will be sent to voters via ballot tracks once they have voted in the upcoming general election. It will also be featured as part of digital efforts to encourage people to vote across the state. Entries can be created digitally or on paper and must include the words I voted, be completely original and nonpartisan. The deadline for high schoolers to submit for the I voted digital sticker design contest is Friday, September 2nd, 2022. More information is available at coloradosos.gov. New federal legislation has been introduced that would protect parts of the Dolores River Canyon as a national conservation area. For KSUT Tribal Radio and Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Sarah Flower has more. The Dolores River Canyon is known for its scenic beauty, wildlife habitat, geological formations, and cultural and indigenous historic resources. The river runs through several counties in southwest Colorado and on Ute Mountain Ute tribal land. After 20 years of conversations and collaborations between San Miguel, Dolores, Montezuma counties, local ranchers, conservation groups, and the Ute Mountain Ute tribe, the Dolores River National Conservation Area and Special Management Area Act was introduced by Colorado Senator Michael Bennett and co-sponsored by Senator John Hickenlooper. The legislation would designate portions of the Dolores River as a National Conservation Area, or NCA. The act would protect 76 miles of the river, as well as 68,000 acres of Ponderosa Pine Forest and Desert Canyon. It would start at the river below McPhee Reservoir and Dam and end at the border of San Miguel and Montrose counties near Bedrock. Julie Keibel is a Dolores County Commissioner. She's been working on this project since she became a commissioner in 2007. Keibel hopes that this act will keep the river protected for years to come. That river is kind of like our Disneyland. There's so many family history ties around that that we just wanted that to continue from generation to generation, as well as the cultural uses that appear there. You know, there's medicinal gathering and we just didn't want that to ever be taken away from our local people. Keibel says that the partners within the group focused on pursuing an NCA attribution early on because then the act could easily be tailored to local needs. 
So in all reality, the Bureau of Land Management is the managing agency over the river. So now they'll just have to put in parameters, the pieces and the protection that we put within that bill on that designation of the river. And so that's where the local control comes in. If the bill is passed, management plans would be created for the NCA in special management areas, and a 13-member advisory council would be formed to develop the plans. Reporting for KSUT Tribal Radio, I'm Sarah Flower. The bill was introduced to the Senate Committee on Natural Resources on July 29th. On August 2nd, Representative Lauren Bober introduced a House of Representatives companion bill. That measure is co-sponsored by two other Colorado Republicans in the House, Representatives Ken Buck and Doug Lamborn. A new law that took effect on Wednesday will help protect Colorado's hospital patients from surprise medical bills. KOTO Scott Franz has more. Hospitals can no longer collect debts from patients if the cost of their procedures are not available online. A study this year from a national patients' rights group found only 6% of Colorado's hospitals were complying with federal price transparency laws. That prompted state lawmakers, including Republican Patrick Neville of Castle Rock, to pass the restrictions. Neville says more transparency will lead to lower prices. It'll bring a lot of market influences that are desperately needed within the hospital system. Colorado's Hospital Association lobbied against the measure, saying it would lead to frivolous lawsuits. Lawmakers did not share that view and passed it with strong bipartisan support. I'm Scott Franz at the state capitol. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly cloudy skies tonight with scattered showers and thunderstorms and a low around 50 degrees. Thursday, showers and thunderstorms are likely in the afternoon with a high near 70 degrees and a low around 50. Friday calls for partly sunny skies with a 70% chance of showers and thunderstorms and a high near 70 degrees. Friday night should be partly cloudy with a low around 50. This has been the news for Wednesday, August 10th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.